Hola chicos and chiquitas. It is your favorite wandering fool, aka Cicely Marie Goose. This is an update. Pretty much an update on a couple of things. A little bit of astrology, a little bit of divination, a little bit of dreamscaping. And I've been having some real fun with a couple of pieces. Where's my notebook? <laughs> but there are a couple of pieces I've been working on that are based on this dreamscape experiment I've been doing. So the dreamscape experiment is... Hi, Amanda. How you doing? The dreamscape experiment is I have been looking at Albert Einstein, who's one of my favorites, a couple of the greatest inventors of all time type things. And one thing they had in common was the fact that they say a lot of their greatest theories came from dreams. And me being the human guinea pig that I am, I decided to test it out. So what I've been doing is somewhat programming my brain before I go to sleep. And using these divination practices, listening to people do tarot card readings, prophesying, things of that nature. And I'm just listening in. And I have been really pulling all kinds of really great works out of this stuff. Like, when I tell you, it's some really interesting stories that I just wake up with and journal on. So the experiment is I go to sleep listening to divination practices and I wake up and write the horror story. And I have about seven of them so far and they're pretty extensive. I like a lot of them. Some of them are scary. Some of them are just too close to reality. It's like, hmm. Because they always say we have doppelgangers in our sleep. And one of the divination practices I've been playing with, of course, is astrology, tarot card reading, Hakeem does numerology and room reading. Oh yeah, hello Hakeem. Good afternoon. But we, it's been a very interesting project. So I want to read a couple of them today. Mm, and this one, this one was kind of scary. It reminds me of a Black Mirror episode I seen a long time ago. This is Divination Horror Stories, The Rehab Project, Lapdog Breeding Ground. I've heard stories of a probationary school used to perform regular citizens that don't remember what happened to them. And you only get out in one of two ways, marriage or fame. It's almost like Alcoholics Anonymous. Only everything you do is tracked from phone calls to how many times you open an app. The thing is, you must pretend as if you're not being watched and recorded. This is where I'm trapped. And all of my guards know my story far better than me. It is a nightmare of epic proportions. I have committed some form of crime. I have some form of mental health issue and I can't seem to escape in any way, form or fashion. I get to die as a lapdog. I guess it's what I deserve. Whatever crimes I committed, I should never be forgiven. Doomed to repeat the same cycle. 
never progressing past the sixth grade. Now that was a horror story that came at about 3 a.m. And it was just like, huh, what about the subconscious mind brought that together? But I've been using them. And eventually I'm gonna make an anthology of stories. I have about seven or eight of them done now. And some of them are really short and some of them are pretty long. One of them was a couple of pages long. And then I have some really short ones like this one. Divination horror stories. The dream escape sex cold attack. Talk about crazy. Stuck in a school with these crazy motherfuckers. They're inexperienced dream walkers looking for a masochist that open a, that's an open channel. It was a double team effort, husband and wife, thinking that they could harvest the concubine's energy. Little did they know, there was a guardian at the gate. That corroded copper man with eyes of blue. I'm scared for them. He's vicious. He has no mercy. Tasked to protect the curse breaker. Understood to be unstoppable. The tower is coming. Be well. And it's funny because as soon as I wake up, I won't even turn on the light. I just start writing. I may like have the light of my phone. I think I need to start doing candles as soon as I get up to clear out the energy. But it's some really interesting stuff on the other side of the dreams. And a lot of people are like, dreams have no significance. They're not really valuable. And I'm like, we spend a third of our life sleeping. They have some form of significance, even if it's just to show us pieces of ourselves. Hmm. Then I think I, I do a little bit more a little later. Hakeem, you there? You might be somewhere lost in the ethers. Or listening in elsewhere. Hmm. I'll probably do one more. Dreamscapes Travels. What program is this? One to build the perfect millionaire. Shaped by the court of opinions. But you are not allowed to pick your own counsel. The conglomerate builds it. And you must listen. You're supposed to be a blank slate. Built to what others say you should be. The interesting thing is, they may have picked the wrong one. It would be easier with one that has no connection to dreamscapes. One that has a book of knowledge. One that has a book of knowledge and no foresight. That's why opinions. Are, that's why their opinions are so harsh. Why can't you just follow the model of the parable set before you? Why must you move on your own? The funny thing is, they tempt, they'll tempt you with it at every turn, using shame, gifts, and marriage to bind you to the cause. Remember to stick to who you are. Understand that these gifts of belonging come at a cost. Trust no one. Hi, you guys. How y'all doing this evening? Just been doing a little bit of some of these dreamscape paragraphs and passages. So tell me, what do you guys think so far? Spooky enough or just kind of eerie? It's kind of uh, um, eerie. I don't know. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. You must have been walking. Yeah. Forever on the move, my man. Forever on the move. That's right.
Now, this title has been a joke for me. Diffusing the bomb, the phoenix rising. I figured out recently that I'm almost done with my Saturn's return. I got about 11 days left. And boy, is it funny because I'm learning to diffuse the bombs in my nature. The angry parts, the pieces that need healing. And I'm less likely to change. Now, Hakeem over here is more on the Incredible Hulk side. So how how long has it been since your last explosion, Hakeem? Since my last accident. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Um, well, there was a near incident. Um, um, I think maybe Saturday. But um, it's been, unfortunately, only about um, a week. But I did shove somebody. <laughs> You didn't go full Hulk, so I think that I still count that as a win. Uh, And I'm feeling fine. I even started a new job. Very fast paced customer service. I work in a restaurant. It's pretty fucking cool. And funny enough, it's like, huh, maybe I can act like a normal human for a little while. Because Hakeem thinks that he's a supervillain, but he's more of like the anti-hero. My villainous ass. Yeah, I'm a real villain. They be trying to be nice. They be trying to be good. And then I explode. And it's like, oh, God. Who's going to pick up the carnage? Where, what are we going to do with the wreck? Can, can somebody come pick up the bodies? It's, it's ridiculous here. So... I've been using these dreamscape experiments to kind of dull the senses a bit, demystify my reactions, basically diffusing the bomb. And what I've learned is the more I focus and practicing on controlling what I do, the easier it becomes to diffuse the bomb. I'm less likely to snap if I'm not thinking about 5,000 dreams that are stuck in my head. So, there's a lot of, let me see what this other notebook has. And then, I'm one of those people, I have like 9,000 books. Oh, thank you, Paul. What? Thank you. I just been out here doing my thing. Doing what I actually like to do. It's one of my favorite things to do. I love to cook. That actually helps burn off some steam too, because I get to, you know, throw some food around. Order ready, pick up. (laughs) It's pretty cool. Something to do to keep my mind from wandering off into God knows where, because I am a wanderer. One of my other nicknames is the Wandering Fool. And a lot of people say you got to be a pretty smart person to call yourself a fool. Because you'll honestly say you don't know anything. And I'm like, I don't really know much. But what I do know, I know. But I also know that I don't know everything. So it's like, hmm, wandering around. But also, I think I got another one. This one is pretty 
some some memories your new job hmm did you just describe your new job mhm i thought you were doing something else i'm doing two i already told you about the first position the online stuff is already underway i'm cooking during the daytime just to I need more stimulation. I see. Because I quit one of my favorite things to do recently, so I need a lot of stimulation to keep my brain going. And what was your favorite thing that you quit doing recently? You said already. Hmm. What was your favorite thing to do that you quit? Sex. You said sex. Yes. Oh. I thought so that I, I heard that. Yeah, so I quit that. So now I have two jobs. And you're like, why? And I'm like, mm, money, relationship. Money, relationship. I think I'll do money for now. Yes. So I gave that up. So it's like, hmm, let's come through with some new shit. I also... Don't smoke cannabis anymore. So the joke about stopping smoking cannabis when you see your dreams get 10 times more vivid. So I've really been maximizing that because it's like, oh, yeah, let me see what I can figure in. Skate because I've never heard that do. before. I've never heard that before. But from personal experience, if I smoke consistently, then I stop having lucid dreams. Like it takes away my ability to have lucid dreams. Because mm-hmm. it, dr- you know, it knocks you out. You know what? What's interesting is well, actually, I don't think that's it. I think there's another mechanism that's there than just the unconsciousness. But um, I was listening to Andrea Rattel today on Wisdom, and I started listening to her right as I was laying down to go to sleep. And she was, and the whole time, because I went to sleep with it pretty loud on the loudspeakers of the dojo, and um, and so I was actually listening to the whole thing, like in my dream, it was like I was listening to Andrea laying down exactly where I was laying down. My brain recreated the entire environment, and then she started asking people to come up to her if anybody has any comments or seen that. So then I got up and started fumbling to my phone and I grabbed it and it, and it was all messed up. Like the phone wouldn't work, it was malfunctioning. And then I grabbed my other device and the other device was malfunctioning. And I was freaking out. And I kept on going back and forth because she kept on saying, whoever wants to come up. And then she said it a couple of times. And it, and my phones, I was like, what the hell happened? And I was like, did, did the, this machine that I'm next to, did it have some magnet that malfunctioned it or whatever? And then I realized, I was like, oh, I'm still asleep. Dream phones don't work like that. And so wow. wake myself up and then get on and I got on with her. And I told her about it too while <laughs> on the show. And it, yeah, because so there was a straight conscious streamline of the of everything she was saying. Like and you should listen to the recording because you could even hear that it was like no BS because I, I even repeated everything that she had said from the very beginning of the conversation and had a conversation with her for about an hour about all that stuff. And um it was pretty incredible because I'm a lucid dreamer, so I'm very conscious when I'm in my my dreams. But I I just kind of forgot for a moment, which I which normally doesn't happen. But it was very it was very interesting because um, I felt stuck and trapped for a moment. But it was only until I realized I was like, oh, 
I'm dreaming, that's why. And I woke up. But the funny thing is, it's a testament to the human mind because I recreated the entire environment where I was. So that's what, that's what confused me. I didn't know at first. So I had to, um, I had to just basically uh, say, oh, wait. Yeah, I said, oh, this is dreaming. Let me, let me just get out of this. And so I got up right away and then started talking to him. So it was pretty interesting. That's funny. Now, Paul just said, that's true. People I know who are on medical cannabis didn't stop for a while, mentioned the intensity of dreams. And he posted a link. Sex differences in cannabis use and effects a cross-sectional survey of cannabis users. I got to see this. I appreciate that, Paul. Okay. Abstract. Despite known sex differences in endocannabinoid systems of animals, little attention has been paid to sex differences in human cannabis use, patterns, and effects. The purpose of this, of the present study was to examine the sex difference in cannabis use patterns and effects in, large sample, in a large sample of recreational and medicinal cannabis. Uh-oh. I think I went mute. Can you, okay, you can still hear me. Good. My phone dropped the icon. Methods. A large sample in equals 237, no, 2,337 of cannabis users completed an anonymous online survey that assessed their cannabis use practices and experiences, including the short-term acute effects of cannabis and withdrawal effects. A subsample of 1,418 medical cannabis users further indicated the medical conditions for which they use cannabis and proceed and its perceived efficacy. Results. The results indicated that men reported using cannabis more frequently and in higher quantities than women did. Men were more likely to report using joints, blunts, vaporizers, and concentrates, while women were more likely report or more likely to report using pipes and oral administrations. Men were likely, more than likely, more likely than women to use, report an increased appetite, improved memory, enthusiasm, altered time perception, and an increase in musicality when high, while women were more likely than men to report loss of appetite and a desire to clean while high. Men were more likely than women to report insomnia and vivid dreams during the period of withdrawal, while women were more likely than men to report nausea and anxiety as withdrawal symptoms. Sex differences in the conditions for which medical cannabis is used and its efficacy were trivial. Hmm. In conclusion, these results may be used to focus research on biological and psychosocial mechanisms underlying cannabis-related sex differences to inform clinicians treating individuals with cannabis use disorders and inform cannabis con consumers, clinicians, and policymakers about the risk and benefits of cannabis for both sexes. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. I'm definitely going to put that in the, I'm going to put that link. Hi, in. Andrea. I said, Andrea. Um, you know, Andrea, uh, I was telling, I don't know if you heard, but I told Cicely uh, just now about how I was in a full-on lucid dreaming state. And uh, 
how I woke up. I was listening to your show the whole time, and uh, and how I woke up out of a, a lucid dream, but at first thought that I was in the, already awake and trying to fumble around my phones that malfunctioned. So I finally realized, oh, I had to wake myself up and then talk to you. It was pretty, pretty hilarious. That is funny. Like, I was like, hold up. So you dream over here fully dream long. And she said you always sound like you have sleep when you pop on her show. <laughs> oh, hey, Charante. How you doing? But yeah, so there have been some really crazy dreamscape pieces going on with the cannabis withdrawal, the change in all of my sleeping patterns. Everything has started to just shift. So it's coming up with some good old stuff. Oh, yeah. So I got one more to read. And this one's pretty long. I don't know at what point I started this one. This was a continuation of two or three dreams. Yeah, he's always walking between realms. He, he be walking. He's a dream walker. He's a dream walker. Well, side note, um, because of Sicily, I decided that I'm going to also start doing some reverse engineering through numerology. I actually just came up with a cool little package name called Triple Goddess Divination, um, and I call it Occultinometry, and the three different divinations I'm using is numerology, tarot, and uh, Viking runes, and they're pretty pretty awesome, so sometimes, sometime we'll uh, work that into with astrology also, because I'd also like to see, when, as per my 2007 or eight paper, I forget when that one was I published, um, how I've noticed that there are similarities that go across various different divination systems. You can find, for example, with me, my, um, my numerology, my Western Zodiac astrology, and also my Chinese Zodiac match up almost identically. And, when I, and I find something like that pretty fast. Yeah. I noticed that my life path number, my destiny number lineup i'm a seven on both and then this year is a year seven i want to say 2023 breaks down to seven correct me if i'm wrong but it's a very interesting is the Taurus rising year. This is the year that Saturn transitions through the 10th house and it's finally going to produce a career path change that is more suited for the final lifestyle, the event that I'm actually going to leave, like the mark I will leave on the world versus regular jobs or careers. But it also lines up with the Vedic astrology as well, because they call it the year of money, because it's going through the 10th house and it's all about money. And by the end of the year, it will be transformed. 
transferring through my second house, which is material possession. So I will go from gaining in careers and by the end of the year, I'll have material possessions from it. So Andrea is the same way that she says hers, her sun, moon, psych, Chinese zodiac, all of them are aligning. And it's like all of the divination systems have something in common. It's like a, a common, commonality to it. But what's interesting is that the Chinese zodiac works on 12 year cycle, whereas instead of a month cycle. So the fact that that's up to me is really bizarre. About the Western zodiac that goes monthly, and then the Chinese zodiac that's, that goes by um, 12 year cycles, and then numerology, which is only nine numerals, is really. There's some something very interesting lining up for that to be having such strong correlation. Yes, but you got to remember you have two Jupiter's return or Jupiter's cycles are 12 years as well. So they line up with the Chinese zodiac because it sits right kind of the same point, 12 years. So every 12 years we get a Jupiter return and each one has a different significance. Razor, people listening you knew that Jupiter has a 12-year cycle, please. If you knew that, please send up some emojis or make a comment. You knew that. I, I really like to know. I'm very interested. Who knew that Jupiter had a 12-year uh... It's a little known. I was an astrologer for a little while to figure it out. I read some of the cycles, and they do line up with the Chinese zodiac, and I know it lines up with Vedic astrology, too. So the first first seven years of life, you get the first quarter return of Saturn. At 12 years old, you get your first Jupiter return. And when you look at it, the seven years, it's like going to junior high school, getting out of elementary school. 12 years is the onset of puberty growing up. 14 years is the Saturn's half return. So it's teenage problems, exams. 21 years old is the second Saturn quarter return, the coming of age story. You know how many books and movies have been written about the coming of age. But one that we seem to just throw out of the fucking window. 24 years old is the second Jupiter return, finding your way and luck in this world. 29 years old is the first Saturn return that is maturing into your responsibilities and coming into adulthood, like true adulthood. 36 years old is the third Jupiter return. And that's where a lot of people be like dirty 30 celebrating the 30s because they didn't got over Saturn's return. Then you have 42 years old. This is another one people forget about. Uranus half return. And that is the point of midlife crisis and fresh starts. 45. So between the ages of 45 to 48, there are some really grandiose changes in life. And a lot of people I've talked to therapists, they just say, yeah, that's just the point of life where you moving into questioning your life choices. Where do you want to go so far? But 42 years old is Uranus half return. That's the start of the midlife crisis and fresh starts. 45 years old is the second Saturn half Saturn return, which is question, questioning life, your, your life choices. 48 years old is the fourth Jupiter return, looking for meaning in life. 60 
is the fifth Jupiter return. And this is a very, very special one because at 60, you get Jupiter return and your second Saturn's return hit at the same time. So Jupiter's return is reaping the rewards of your life while Saturn is making you take stock of your life. And that can call, it can be because your best friend died, everybody around you, you grew up with, gone, maybe you divorced your wife or anything of that nature. Then at 72, you get the sixth Jupiter return and you're making the most out of life. And then 75, you get the third half return of Saturn adjusting to old age. And if you make it to 84, you get Uranus's return. Growing old disgracefully. I love that. That's when folks start cutting up and start talking that shit. They don't even care anymore. And then you get your seventh Jupiter's return, looking for fresh challenges. That's why the old folks get frisky and terrorize folks. And then 90, you get your third Saturn's return, the wisdom of old age. So they move in cycles like the Chinese zodiac. And hey, Amanda, how you doing? I'm good. I love listening to you, my friend. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you really well. Wonderful. So I just want to see if I understand. When you're saying like Saturn return or half Saturn return, you're saying that Saturn's returning to the same spot in its orbit that it was, whatever, if it's the first Saturn return 12 years ago. Is that right? To your, it's specific to your birth chart. So right. Mm-hmm. Right. Specific to me, where wherever Saturn was specific to my birth chart. Yes. It's about 12 years to have Saturn come back to that same spot. Jupiter is 12 years. Saturn is 29. Oh, Jupiter, sorry. Mm-hmm. 29.4. For Saturn. But yeah, the, the, the idea that it's the same place at, in the sky at your particular time of birth is important. I was actually going to point that out, Cicely, so I'm glad that, Amanda, you um, said that, because some people might not know that, like, what does that mean, the return? Like, uh, what are we talking about here? It's just the same place here yeah, on the sky. Um, on every specific date, of course, it's going to be, you know, January 1st of 2000. It's going to be in the same place in January 1st of 2012, basically. I mean, you, uh, yeah. So every 12 years for, for um, Saturn. That's thank you. I just wanted to I wanted to make sure that I understood, even though the yeah whatever the numbers are, I wanted to make sure I understood when you were saying the return. So can you tell me why you speak specifically to Saturn and Jupiter and not any of the other planets? Is that just you haven't gotten there yet, or is there a specific importance to Saturn? Saturn is the planet of restrictions and limitations and rules. So they it's like if you don't follow said rules you can have some really tough outcomes and jupiter is the planet of luck and favor and faith and going forward but the reason i did mention uranus but it has an 84 year long cycle so the outer planets move incredibly slow like pluto's return takes about 184 years if we live to see 184 we'll see a pluto's return but the inner planets move incredibly quickly. Like the moon moves every two and a three, two and a half to three days. So it may take a month to get the moon back in the same spot as your birthday. 
it may take Venus six or seven months to get back in the same space as your birthday. So they move very, very quickly. And then the outer planets, they take an incredibly long. Jupiter has the shortest of the outer planet cycles. It's 12 years. But then you have Saturn, who's right behind him. He has a 29.4 year cycle. So it's very mm. it takes so long. Got it. So then there's not really anything between 48 and 60, huh? Now, 48 and 60, I think it gives you a break. Let's see. 48 and 60, you get a break because you get the very next event. At 60, you have your fifth Jupiter's return, and that's reaping the rewards of your life. And the second Saturn's return, taking stock of all the inventory in your life. So I guess they got to give you some breathing room. <laughs> <laughs> cool. cool 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 i just am in that a... i'm i'm in that zone that's why i was... also okay, remember, so there's a there's a planet that's supposed to be between mars and jupiter and it's missing um it was either destroyed or some theories say it was either destroyed or it was never formed but because I like to think in fantastical ways, I think that it was destroyed by an ancient civilization that had a cosmic war and used a scalar resonance weapon to blow it up. And I'm only hoping that because I'd like to get my hand on such. He swears he's a villain. Like, y'all see how pinky in the brain this is? Like, I'm pinky and that's the brain. And I'm just like, what are we going to do today? figure out how to destroy the world well i'm going to talk about astrology and you're going to talk about how to destroy the world but there they do it is rumored that there was a planet between that asteroid belt and that's probably why we have gaps in the solar return for those years or the planetary returns because it will put that planet at about a six or seven year cycle right between jupiter and mars aha got it Thank you. I appreciate those clarifications. I'll go back and listen. No problem. I appreciate you. Good question. Ooh, Andrea said, take over, not destroy. Take over. See, that's my idea. I don't want to take over the world. I don't want to just destroy the world. Hakeem is out here ready to just... Where are we going to live if you have this good boom? Really about because uh, if, if I have a, a planetary destruction weapon, I can hold the entire planet hostage. Get my nerves, y'all. Is he brilliant? Yes, but he get on my nerves. Why would you hold the whole planet captive? What 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 would you maybe? This man don't care about money, status. So, planet hostage if you don't care about money, material wealth, or fame. Like, you just don't care. You just want to be a terrorist. I keep telling y'all, he think he's a supervillain. He a terrorist. Supervillains always want something out the deal. He just want to do it. Yeah, I mean, look, 
there, I, I think that we need to push the envelope on technology. But let's not, you know, get too far into that because it will take us away from astrology. You know what I mean? Like I, I could go on and on about, you know, massive, very horrific weapons all day long. But you know, we want to talk about uh, people changing their lives through the reading of the stars. So don't let Dick get me going. <laughs> Andre say for their own good. I love that. <laughs> See, look at you. She understands you. I, I be looking at you like you're a little nutty. Mm. Oh, so I know what I was getting into. Diffusing the bomb. When it comes to diffusing my bombs in my life, I've used career astrology and work astrology to really help. And this is something that might help everybody in the room if we're going into a year seven, because that's a money, money, money kind of year. And Saturn is finally out and moving. Oh, yes, I am reading charts, Samantha, if you want one. I just got a little information to give out for everybody in the general vicinity. I think I got just about everybody signed in this book. Astrology and work. What is hard work and an unrelenting slog for one person can be an absolute joy for another. It all depends on where our abilities lie and what we enjoy doing for a living. And the answer to those questions lie in our horoscope. As you will discover in this chapter, three planets have a particular role to play in our attitude to our work and career. The sun, how and where we want to shine. Mercury, how we think and communicate with others, and Saturn, our sense of responsibility and work ethic. We will also be looking at the angle of the birth chart known as the mid-heaven, because this describes our ambitions and how we want to be regarded by others. Your own MC is like a flag waving at the top of your birth chart, announcing who you are and what you can offer to the world. And you're about to discover what that flag is proclaiming. Before we move on with the rest of this chapter, here's a list of types of jobs that are best suited for each sign. Don't confuse your sun, Mercury, Saturn, and Midheaven for all. Don't be confused if your sun, Mercury, Saturn, and Midheaven are all different signs. Each one offers a scope and suggests different ways for you to make the most of your chart at work. And I'll just give a quick preface for a couple of the people in the room because I know I got at least one Aries, somebody with a Taurus rising, a Leo, a Capricorn, and an Aquarius in here. So Aries buzzwords, entrepreneur, innovator, mechanic, surgeon, fire service, running your own business, athlete, or the army. Taurus, horticulture, agriculture, Farming, floristry, fashion designer, working with textiles, singing, massage, finance, and aromatherapy. Leo, actor, theater production or direction, dancer, painter, professional athlete or sports person, orchestra conductor, teacher or cardiologist. Capricorn, politician, civil servant, scientist, osteopath, chiropractor, dentist, dermatologist, architect, surveyor, Builder or plan town planner, Aquarius, environmentalist, humanitarian, activist, campaigner, 
technician, scientist, astrologer, astrophysicist, television presenter, television producer, IT or robotics. And hello, Samantha, you ready? Hi. If you're doing your thing, I can wait. I just wanted to ask if you were doing the chart thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm doing it. That was just a quick buzzword for some of the people I know. And I've read some of the charts in the room. And I know mm-hmm. certain people would relate to it because it's all in career and work. Okay. Oh, by the way, cool. uh, Cicely, are you, do you have Write Your Own Horoscope? Are you reading from that? Yes. What page are you on now? I, I actually have the book now. That's 74. Okay. So just uh, just to keep me up with you so I can see what you're reading, um, just let me know pages as you go along. Because if you don't, then I'm going to ask you. Okay. Mr. World Domination, we got you. <laughs> All right. Is there anything specific you would like to know? Um, no, not specifically. I guess, uh, career or work questions I have, I guess. Just general, I suppose, outlook. Um, but, uh, I'm a Leo. I I know you probably need some other stuff. Um, yeah, just let me know what you need, I guess. Um, if you could give me your sun, Mercury, Saturn, and Midheaven, I think I can give you a good general. Okay. Also... Did you put the astro dash seek? Is that we're still going to use that as well as reference? Yes, I forgot to put that in there. Okay, I have my. Um, I'm using CoStar. Should I be using a different app? I think this Ooh, is CoStar. No, that's cool. Oh no, that's good too. CoStar's good, good, yeah. Okay, I see. Oh goodness, I don't know if I know how to read it correctly. Um, so you need what? What did you need again? Let me. The sun, Mercury, Saturn, and the ascendant. It may Mer- say it heaven. Okay, Mercury is Leo. Um, Saturn is Libra. Okay, balance. And the ascendant is Aquarius. All right, and the sun is in Leo. Yes. Okay, Aqua. <laughs> okay. Did I say ascendant or midheaven? Oh, uh, it says ascendant. Yeah, I need the tenth house. Tenth. Okay. Neptune. Does uh, say Sagittarius, Neptune, and then a ten is by it. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Then it's Sagittarius. Okay, so you got Sag. Yeah, let me get some general. So you have Sun and Leo. Yes. And King, this is on page 78. This is the ego needs versus what we need to control. Okay. To be admired, your ego needs are to be admired and to be admired for your efforts and to be appreciated and applauded for your creative expressions. And satisfactions. Agreed. Yeah. Accurate. (laughs) Control your ego and need to be in the spotlight. Bossiness, obstinacy, pride, desire to do everything by yourself and not delegate. 
Yeah, this is all correct so far. <laughs> and do you know what house your son is in? Um, my son, I believe that's also in Leo. The the house, it, the number next to it on the the chart. Is, I see a six. Okay, that's the sixth house. Okay. So there's an emphasis on flourishing in a work environment, putting everything into your job, being of service or working in medicine. Okay. Potential pitfalls, living for your work, identifying too much with your job and wanting praise. Okay. Yeah. And are there any aspects to like when you look at CoStar, does it say sun in conjunct with any other planet when you open it up? I see sun and Mercury in Leo. Is that, I hope I'm reading it right. Yes, that's okay. correct. Okay. The sun and Mercury. That's actually good for work and career. Mm -hmm. A born communicator can talk too much. Need <laughs> Keep it on the move. Great at selling and negotiating. And that is strengthened by Mercury being in Leo. And can you tell me the house that Mercury's in? Um, I also see a six by Mercury. Oh, so you got the double emphasis on it. <laughs> okay. So your Mercury is also in Leo. A flair for the dramatic and creative organizational skills, good at encouraging workmates and clients, Poten possible pitfalls, can think you know what's best, a need to be in charge, a belief in your own publicity. Okay. And that's in the sixth house, where your skills lie with communication, a nonfiction writer, health-related top topics, secretarial work, talking to colleagues and clients. And this is emphasized by sun or, no, well, sun in the sixth house. And then you have it really, really emphasized, you got it in conjunction. And then you have sun in the same conjunction with Mercury. And it basically says the same thing. A born communicator can talk too much. Need, mm -hmm. need to keep on the move, great at selling and negotiating. Okay. Could I get, can I squeeze another question? Just a, a general love life? <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, that's my favorite because I'm okay, a full okay. house Venus. I'd be all in everybody's love life, but mine is in <laughs> Oh, here we go with all the, the chicks with all the love stuff. Man, can you get over, be quiet. Just get over it, all right? No. Man, how about this? You hush and let us have our good time. <laughs> I have one more placement to read for you, and okay. that's Libra in the in Saturn. And Saturn is the planet of restriction and growth. So you have a keen, your working talents, keen to play fair by others, a good judge of character, courteous and kind, good at mediation and legal work, possible pitfalls. It can be hard to assert your authority. Working in partnerships can cause problems and indecisiveness. Yeah. And what house is that in? House, um, uh, the my Mercury or Saturn. My Saturn is in Libra, and it's an eight, number eight. Okay. 
areas of responsibility because Saturn is all about responsibility, restrictions, maturity, blah, blah, blah. But you have Saturn in a very good house because you got money moves. Ooh. I would say the eighth house is the house of inheriting other people's money. So oh, you, okay. Yeah. <laughs> the areas of responsibilities are other people's money, example, mortgages, bank accounts, and wills, funeral directors, and you can also fear emotional intensity. Yeah, I do. Like when people start getting a little too emotional, you're like, all right, that's enough. Yeah, it's a little uncomfortable at times. So, yeah, accurate. <laughs> oh, but you do then, have... Then how do you survive on calling? I try to take breaks every once in a while, and I try to stay quiet on here, even though <laughs> <laughs> I try to just listen most of the time. <laughs> yeah, because they be on his show, and they ass. You hear me? Yeah. <laughs> the last part is the Saturn aspecting Mercury and the sun. You have a hard-working... Your hardworking, responsible, can take on too much, can lack confidence self ex- if your self-expression is blocked. Mm-hmm. But in Mercury, with the aspect to Saturn, common sense, straight talking, precise, can be prone to worry, but you have an expertise with word or speech. Okay. So you pretty much do well in any job you'd love to do because of your speech and then it's amplified because you have it twice you have leo in one and leo in the other then you have a balanced saturn and i'm like wow i understand why you're quiet (laughs) (laughs) yeah that that's feels good because i'm trying to find something different and new to do i've been a stay-at-home mom for a while so that's gives me hope that you know okay you know i'll I'll find something and, and be able to do it well so i like that well, yeah, whatever you pick, you'll do well because of your communication and diplomacy. Nice. You know how to talk to people correctly. Right. You know, I really like the, you know, from previously on page 74, though, this should speak to a lot of people. The, you know, what is hard work and an unrelenting slog for one person can be an absolute joy for another. I mean, that sums mm-hmm. so much, so many things up, you know, because people often wonder, you know, I was at, at work and a guy says you must be hating life right now i'm just thinking to myself like what are you what are you talking about and he's like you know i work security too and i was like oh here we go and there's another one of these people where they want to talk to me about they hate their jobs i don't you know i don't hate anything Mm -hmm. that i do and that's why i'm able to even i mean that's why the planet is still intact by the way but yeah you know like i don't hate what i do Mm, I am thankful for whoever employs you and keeps you occupied because um, <laughs> he's a terrorist, y'all. Like a real <laughs> you know, you should really stop saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I was going to because they be all over with and talking about, oh, he's such a great guy. He's so great. I'm like, this is a motherfucking terrorist. I got to negotiate with the terrorists every time I do a show. <laughs> every single time. I'm like, I'm gonna expose your ass. Keep talking. <laughs> I'm already exposed with a name like Hakeem Ali. You know, it's oh, like, it's, it's, oh Lord. <laughs> you know how they are. <laughs> the man get on my nerves. <laughs> That's what friends are for. <laughs> yeah. This is 
funny. He, that's why he get on my nerves so bad. Like I did the compatibility chart for mm-hmm. our business mm-hmm. and it's like 17 harmonious aspects and like seven really hard squares. So we're going to go at it a couple times, but everything else will be harmonious. I'm like, I'm going to go upside his head one of these days. So, <laughs> At least you're prepared for it. You guys are, you know what you're getting into. Yeah, because he's a real life parent. Yeah, you can try. You can try to go upside my head. We'll see what happens. Go upside his head with love. I don't... That, that's what he, he don't know how to receive. Man. He Get away from me. <laughs> he might melt. <laughs> and speaking of love, we finna get into this love chat. Okay. I'm excited. And Hakeem, this is page 40. Astrology and love. Thank you. Does he want to, he got, he made me do the reference. Like I'm reading out of the Bible or something. But (laughs) (laughs) I need Venus, Mars, Uranus, and Neptune with their houses. Okay. My Venus is in Virgo and it's seven. Okay. Um, my Neptune Sagittarius ten, and you said Uranus, Mars, and Uranus. Uranus is Scorpio in nine, and Mars is Cancer five. You're Cancer Mars like me and I came. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. That's one of our harmony aspects. Like we fight the same kind of way. <laughs> All right, so let's get in fluid. Right. It's my favorite kind of um part because they get a little spicy on this end. Oh gosh, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> what you need with Virgo and Venus? What you need? Kindness and consideration. Someone who will listen to your worries. Mental freedom. The ideal partner is relaxed, reassuring, and stable, but neat and tidy. Control your tendency to nitpick and find fault with your partner over small things. Okay. I don't feel bad. I nitpick too. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely a nitpicker. I definitely. I, I try. I try. <laughs> See, how can you make me go? See, I'm gonna continue on. See, gonna. <laughs> so. With it being in the seventh house, emphasis on happy and fulfilling relationships, creating a long-lasting and loving partnership. Ooh, potential pitfall. Wanting to keep the peace at all costs. Not ending a relationship, even though it's over. And they also, even with that, they give you potential places to meet a partner. And this is like the low-hanging fruit. This is the... Okay, if you absolutely have no idea where to go, start okay. here. Okay. I'm not saying you will meet one, but if you have no idea what you're doing, let's kind try. Of, yeah. <laughs> but the funny thing is, it says through a dating agency in a solicitor's office or in court. So you might <laughs> end up with a lawyer, girl. Okay. Okay. What a law. Okay. okay. Keep that in mind. Now I'm looking at Venus aspects. Are there any? Is there anything else in that same seventh house? Um, in the seventh, I see Venus and Moon are both in Virgo. Oh, you got a double. Yeah. 
So the influence of the moon on your Venus aspect is loving, affectionate, a need for love and consideration, a need to express emotions and generosity. Okay, yeah. You need you a good generous man. Yeah. Love on you with all the cuddles. Yeah, I need a lot of reassurance. So generosity is definitely a big thing that I that I need. Me too. Yeah. Like, girl, calm down. I can't calm down. I need a hug. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Yes. Yo, this book has a. In the beginning of it, has a whole. This is, you know, I don't understand. Now I'm starting to look more and more because I haven't looked at astrology so much. But now that I'm looking at these books, this actually has a very um, astrophysical. It's based on astronomy here. This there's an ecliptic here in the beginning on page uh, 15 that shows because this is exactly what they use in astronomy they use the the um the equator of the sun and the earth so around the earth there's something called a um a celestial equator where it it projects out from the equator of the earth and then one that projects out from the equator of the sun but it shows where all the signs are because that's what we we have basically in our line of sight from the earth and so it just shows that um on this chart and i just I've seen this in an, an astronomy book, almost exactly. So yeah, it's based on, see, this is the thing I've been trying to tell people that don't believe that astrology is real. It's based on the exact same principle of astronomy, but it's for normal people to interpret and understand. Mm-hmm. Like, that's one of the reasons why I asked the question earlier if anybody in the room who knew that um, Jupiter had a 12 year cycle or that you know um, Saturn had a 29 year you know what I mean like or is that is that the correct times because mm-hmm. right? I don't even know that right so it's because that's you know I looked it up on Google and those are the uh, those are the, the orbital periods and you know that's that's straight up you know astrophysics yeah. I didn't yeah. know I didn't know any of these cycles until I, I tuned into your first show and I saw, you know, the download the CoStar app and I had no idea about any of this until and that was like what, two weeks whenever you started? Whenever you mm-hmm. guys started this? Yeah, that was the first time I had even known about that. So yeah. Very new to me. Yeah, like this is my favorite this has been my favorite subject since I started farming using the farmer's almanac and then I just started diving deeper and deeper into it but outside of my co-host and his astronomy talk because I think he gets uncomfortable during the love talk oh okay <laughs> not, not uncomfortable I just um <laughs> you know would rather talk about money and world mm-hmm. domination <laughs> that's yeah, cool yeah, too yeah. but you know gotta get some love in there I prefer the love aspect so let's go so you have Mars in Cancer in the fifth house, right? Um, let me double check. Fifth house. Uh, yes. All right. Mars in Cancer. You want someone you can trust, a happy, stable domestic life, and things to always remain the same. How to get what you want. By approaching situations and problems from an angle rather than directly. Using the warmth of your personality. What turns you on? Focus on your breasts, sensuous food, and being slowly seduced. Ow. Ow. 
Control your nervous energy, moodiness, and grumpiness, and tendency to react to criticism as if a personal attack. I'm guilty of that one too, girl. Yeah, yeah. I take a lot of things personally, so okay. It's like, <laughs> don't take it personal. How am I not supposed to take it personal and you said it like that? Say yeah. it nicely. Exactly. <laughs> I've gotten in so many arguments about that. You just sensitive. I am, so talk to me nice. Exactly, yeah. They're sensitive people, you know. Take consideration. I'm only sensitive when... I am expressing the fact that my feelings are hurt. But when somebody needs me as a shoulder to cry on, I will sit there and they're like, oh, I'm not too sensitive. Then I'm your emotional sponge. That That's a good, good point. Cause I'm like that too. I'm like, I'm, I'm always trying to comfort people, but then yes, it's like, if I get offended, it's like, oh my gosh, you're just taking this too far. It's like, okay, well. Yeah, I'm yeah. about to have my feelings. I'll let you have yours. I'm just Very true. Yeah. <laughs> And with that being in the fifth house, there's an emphasis on love and romance, being competitive in love and impatience with loved ones, potential potential pitfalls, confusing love with lust, making emotional emotional commitments in haste, and repenting at leisure. Girl, you about workaholic like me. Yeah, I I, I always thought it was because of maybe capitalist system that you you feel like you can't sit down type of thing but i think okay maybe it is just me now and and maybe it's just a part of me <laughs> it could be both yeah. I, I will never neglect to say that it could be both yeah i tend to say it's both because nurture versus nature this is the roadmap but we are definitely stuck in a capitalist society yeah my mom was the type to where she's like she doesn't like to nap and it's like, well, you, you need sleep. And she'll like complain about napping. Like you shouldn't be now. It's like, okay, you got to rest sometime. You know? I grew up in one of those type of families and my healing after I got off work today, I took a good hour nap and I got ready to do my show today. So I, I've been on naps. Yes. Good. Don't, don't crap on sleep. <laughs> like sleep some people do. Mm, so you got two placements that invoke places to meet a partner this one says on a sports field at a speed dating session or at a party like come on okay. you know, i have to i'll suggest online apps but you might have a a little bit of help with a matchmaker yeah try that so you have venus being aspected by mars so the influence is sparky, sexy, feisty, enjoys sparring and or arguing with partners, then passionately making up with a live <laughs> sex life. That sounds like a dream to me. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound too bad. Okay. And I am kind of feisty when I want to be, I suppose. Got a little rawr to you. There ain't no rawr <laughs> Yeah. All right. And then I go into Uranus and Scorpio. And what house was that in? Um, nine. Nine, okay. So it's right past its original home. Mm. Uranus in the 12 houses. You may meet a partner in an unexpected way while traveling. Partners may practice an unconventional religion or way of life. So you might end up with one of them, them hippie boys if you're not a hippie. Now, not to be like, but the vibe is okay. 
Yeah, it's vibrate. You end up with a nice one. Okay. <laughs> and then we have Neptune and Sag in the tenth house. Ooh. Tenth house is career aspiration. So you may be attracted to partners who are well known, mix you well known, have mixed feelings about a parent, and that can have an effect on the sexual relationship because the tenth house is the planet of the dominant parent, the one that made all the decisions. It has oh. no gender. Okay. So they it's the authoritarian parent. So say for instance your dad was really, really authoritative, he would be the tenth house and your mom would be the fourth house. Okay. So it's the nurturer versus the authoritarian. Okay. Could you say that? I want to write that down. Which parent is the, the first? Okay. The 10th house is the authoritative. Boss. Okay. okay. And then the non-dominant parent is the non-dominant parent or the nurturing parent is in the fourth house. Fourth house. Okay. I'm just getting into, like, really getting into this, so that's of interest you know, to me. Yeah. There's something really interesting. What I like about what astrology here has said, specifically what you're talking about, is um, when I went to school for clinical hypnosis, um, the Hypnosis Motivation Institute in Tarzana, California, if anybody wants to look it up, they're at hypnosis.edu. Um, mm-hmm. But they uh, have something called, um, the, so we call sexuality, um, they call it either people can either be emotional or physical sexuals, and then there's intellectual sexuals, and um, it's there's and so some people you know a lot of people talk about how women are usually more nurturing and men are more um, authoritative, mm-hmm. but the 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 results from the years of research actually show that it's basically on a sliding scale just like everything else on a spectrum just like with um you know autism or even sexuality aka kinsey alfred kinsey where everything's kind of like a sliding scale so it doesn't matter what your gender is um it depends on what your parents were like your mother and father influence you and and also what their sexuality was like meaning whether they were more um intellectual emotional or physical and like for example a person like me who's an emotional or intellectual I'm on the more intellectual side is I respond like physically I'm not afraid of pain and things like that like it doesn't bother me but um, but if but if you can really get in a good like you know um, like a good Shakespearean jab at me it'll hurt me you know I mean like something that's more more intellectual will bother bother the shit out of me for a long time. So if somebody trumps me in something in an intellectual pursuit or something like that, it would really, really bother me more than if they if they say something to hurt my feelings, which is on the next level for me. And then finally, my physical body almost doesn't really matter to me that much as far as you know, as far as pain. And so, um, so the the whole matchup though is that I see in astrology how they're talking about. That there's not really, it doesn't really matter by gender so much as it does by just the parenting and their love style. Yeah, I will say this as a full-fledged masochist switch. The physical body doesn't really get, I can take a lot of pain physically. Emotionally, I am a cry baby. And that's all based off of the dominant of the parent because it's funny. I have the same nurturing nature as most considered fourth house people, but I have a very masculine leading 
physicality. It's like I can run men clean off with sexuality. They're like, gosh, damn, you're worse than a dude. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I blame my daddy. I really do. Yeah, that's interesting. That's yeah, I always feel like emotional stuff doesn't it's easier for your physical body to heal than it is for your emotions to heal. So well for I don't know. Maybe that's why it, it affects a lot of people so differently. Oh, with I'm looking at your chart. I see a couple of aspects that are really sticking out to me. So with these love planets, I'm sorry, I just flipped the page <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is something else you might want to know. Yes. So you have Uranus aspecting Mars. So we have the influence of it because Uranus is the planet of independence mm -hmm. and Neptune is the planet of wanting to lose yourself in love. That's so. Good. With it being Uranus being in Mars, daring and unconventional, you want sexual relationships to have an unpredictable or inex experimental quality. And that's emphasized by Uranus being in the eighth house, but you have Scorpio, which is also a very intense placement in the ninth. So it's like, okay, it balances out. It meets towards the middle. And then we have Neptune, and you have Neptune and Sag in the 10th house, so you get a little bit of Jupiter's love as well as Saturn's love. So, that dreaminess of the, I'll just read it to you, the aspect of Neptune, your urge to merge. The energy of Neptune is about refining and merging and becoming one with another person. So when Neptune makes contact with a planet or angle in your chart, it describes how you attune to someone. The aspects from Neptune to Uranus and Pluto aren't listed here because they affect a t entire generations and don't make up a personal influence. So there won't be any Neptune, Uranus, or Pluto aspects because they take generations. It takes Saturn 29 years to move and it takes Neptune I want to say Neptune is somewhere around no Uranus is 84 Neptune is around 72 to 100 and Pluto takes 184 years to come oh back oh my gosh yeah so they affect entire generations of people wow um, you know, Neptune's orbital period is 165 years 165 years. I know it was somewhere 100. And, and Pluto's is 248. 248? Shit. Yeah. I thought it was 184. No, it's 248. <laughs> God. It takes, yeah, 248 Earth years. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, 284. I know. I don't know what, what kind of years you were talking about over there before, but... Um, so, and uh, I, I just I have all the or orbital period periods... Um, pulled up here, so um, yeah, Saturn is 29 years, like you were saying um, Uranus 
You know, no matter how you say the name of that planet, you're going to get some kind of like bowel movement. You got yeah. urine, Uranus or Uranus. Like, what is going on here? Uranus. Like yeah, Uranus. Yes. Oh, yeah. So Neptune, 165, Saturn, 29, Jupiter, 12, Venus, 225 days, yep. Mars, 687 wow. days, Pluto, 248 years, Mercury, 88 days, and Eris. Why are they putting Eris up in there? 558 years. Because Bye-bye. Eris got- goes with the love planets as well as the asteroid, but a lot of the asteroids have mythology and lore as Eris is the most massive and second largest known dwarf planet in the solar system. It is a trans-Neptunian object in the scattered disk and has a high eccentricity orbit. Huh. Oh, a trans-Neptunian Okay, so it goes through. Eris was discovered in January 2005 by a Palomar Observatory-based team led by Mike Brown. That's such a, a generic name. I'm Mike Brown. <laughs> <laughs> and I discovered Eris. Everybody, let's go have a beer. This man, this man get on my name. Hey, Capel. Oh, oh. Um. Oh yeah, I had one more thing to show you about. Yeah, I want to make make sure you have enough time to let the, the next caller in. So. Yeah. I may run a little overtime okay. today. So we got Neptune. And what you said your ascendant was. Hey, Kapal, what's up, brother? Um, my ascendant was Aquarius. Okay, so you're an Aquarius D ascendant. So that means your descendant is in Leo. And that plays a part in Leo, too. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Andrea says, I'm offended. My my maiden name is Brown. <laughs> oh. You're going to get beat up. See? Uh-huh. Oh, so you have Leo on your descendant, which is crazy as hell because you have Leo as your son, too. Your partner must love, appreciate, and admire you and vice versa. And this is emphasized by Sun and or Venus in Leo, Sun in the fifth or seventh house. So you got it, honest. And that man better love and adore you, because if not, you are gone. <laughs> Fair enough. I'd say that's an accurate assessment. So, uh, Samantha, are you currently in a relationship? Uh, I'm at the end of one, so yeah. Uh, you were you I'm were married, married or because I, I know you have kids, right? Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, separation, separating right now. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, I didn't mean to hit any sore spots. No, no. I'm just, yeah, not quite ready to move on this. All right, good, because I didn't deserve you. No, I'm just, uh, yeah. So <laughs> I, and also, when it comes to astrology, I just like, I you know, when I first started getting into it as a kid, like, that was always, like, what I'd look at when I was, you know, with my friends. Like, ooh, what is this boy's sign? What's my sign? Are we compatible? So it's just always kind of fun to look at the love stuff. Mm, there was a warning for a potential pitfall of not ending relationships early enough. Yeah. I I can agree. I have that problem. Yeah. Yeah, that's something we can work on in the coming days. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate you coming up and yes. being so fun. I love you to read your chart. 
Yes, thank you for reading it. And thank you, Cecily and Hakeem. And I'm going to drop out so I can let Kapow in. We won't go over too much. Later. Always nice talking. Okay. Yep. How respectful of time. Come on up, Kapow. Now, Kapow does Vedic astrology, if I remember correctly. Am I right? Oh, I. Well, I did Western and I do like, I kind of combine them. Cause I like the, I like the lunar mansions of the sidereal system, but I still use, uh, I still use uh, tropical for the ecliptic. But the <laughs> heavenly mansions just sound so damn cool. I understand why you use that one. Like, heavenly- well, I just feel like the divine feminine has been ignored for so long, and I love how it's still retained in each of those. Yeah. Each of those, because it's the moon's path, so. Yes. You know, they try to block the feminine out of everything. Like how we have, that system has Rahu and Ketu as well. Mm-hmm. The shadow of the sun. Yeah. So what So what you've been talking about today is diffusing the bomb of Phoenix rising? Yes, this has been, it started off as me talking about my dreamscape experiment I've been working on and reading and writing about and how I have been changing habits and rearranging parts of my life. Like, I have no problem telling all my business on here. I quit sex and I quit smoking weed. So I'm at a point where I am diffusing a bomb. You're doing too much. Man, shut that. You see, I almost had an incident right there. I'd be trying to defuse the bomb and stay calm. So I've been using astrology to do that as well. Okay. So it's quite interesting. Can you imagine a dominatrix actually quitting sex? (laughs) Oh, was that your profession? No, not my profession. Just one of my favorite hobbies. Your hobby, okay. Yeah, I was just part of the club. Hmm. <laughs> it's, it's good. Kapow. He's like, hmm. <laughs> it's good to talk to you too, Akim. It's it's cool. It's like all the all the all the cool people are meeting in the same place. It's like kind of nice. Oh, you don't you don't know me yet. Don't speak too soon. Because uh, right. I met you at, during one of your one of your shows, I believe. Yeah, maybe I was nice then, but I hit my head recently, so. Oh, okay. And I'm part well, of the good band. Express the anger in healthy ways. But I oh, think yeah. you can also say Hi, Jade. you can also Jade say uh, Uranus. Uranus, Uranus, Uranus. That's the um, that's the original. Sounds that's Greek. the Greek way. That's the Greek way to say it. Uranus is is Roman. Okay, Uranus. Uranus. It reminds mm. me of Thanos, so now I'm going to keep repeating <laughs> I might make a meme about that later. You know, um, Thanos is actually probably most likely derived from the god of death, Thanatos. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, because I, you know, for very personal reasons, I became a very radical thanatologist and started studying everything about death and dying. And so I realized that, oh, Thanos, that must must have come from... Because they could have called him Thanatos, but they just shortened it to Thanos, which I think is cool. 
which basically means death. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. The sugar-free coach says it's definitely not the cool fit, cool kids. I'm part of the misfit toys over here. Oh, okay. So, okay, that's cool. I guess I have I guess I have something that's kind of similar diffusing the the phoenix it's it's like I'm trying to get away from uh pornography and I'm I do I do pretty well for you know a while but then it just kind of <laughs> sneaks back in there whatever. Mm. I don't think I have like and like a I won't call it like an addiction but I would say it could be a distraction if you're trying to do spiritual things with that type of energy, you know. Will, you know what's take, really interesting is um, I, I've never really been too deeply into it, but there have been times when I would indulge. But I found that for some reason I think that if you have more stuff to do, like I just don't have any time for it. You know, like mm. I, it, it doesn't even pop up in my head at all. Like just because I'm constantly working on something mm. and I almost have I almost have no time to sleep. So... I, I, I sleep whenever I possibly can, so it doesn't leave very much time for, like, any extracurricular activities. But especially just because I think that to us humans, like, because it's not necessarily real, it's more just images, that is very low on the, the scale of desire. But if we have a lot of empty room, then it might crop up. Like, uh, you know, they what, what does it say? An idle mind is a devil's playground or something like that? Exactly. And so... Um, so if you, if you find other things to do, like replacement, which is one of the other things in, in, uh, in physics there over in pop culture, they say that, um, that, yeah, yeah. Idle hands, right. Uh, yeah. Andrea says, and, um, <clears throat> move your in physics, they say that, oh yeah, sure. How about that? How does that, how does that work? That sounds better. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, I have a tendency to get it too close. But yeah, it says um, nature abhors a vacuum. So if you, but so you also have to remember that even if you're idle, you can't just give up something. You have to replace it with something. And this is one of the biggest things we did as clinical hypnotists. We would, um, we would give somebody something to replace. Like if they were smokers, we had to replace it with something else rather than just removing the smoking of cigarettes or whatever it was. It has to be replaced with something else. So keep that in mind if you're looking to change that up. And that goes along with, once again, circling full circle back where um, because I'm so busy or just gainfully occupied with other stuff, I just can't make time for for, for something like that. So if that's helpful at all. Yeah, that actually makes sense because a lot of self-help books or coaches or people will say if you want to if you want to end a habit you also need to find you need to uh change your lifestyle in which you're you know filling that space with something new or a lot of people say that so it it's interesting to get into the esoteric side of it and also now what, what do you mean esoteric uh, because we're talking about it more on like a, you know, talking about energies, you know, like where oh, we're where, where we're directing our energies, where more of like the a lot of the self help side that doesn't involve, I guess the, like I said, like that, like the esoteric part of that. They're not really that. talking about it that much right. like that. 
That's interesting that you say that because in my mind I'm thinking, oh, I'm talking about behavioral science, you know what I mean? <laughs> and you're like esoteric. So I was like, what do you mean? Hmm. So, okay, all right, good. But as long as we're, we're, we're on the same page, though. You know? I get what you're saying. You're thinking about transmuting the energy through alchemy and putting it into different places. That's where the phoenix yeah, yeah, yeah. came from, the diffusing of the bone. And it's about being mindful, but not mindful in the way that you would think like I have started two jobs and a new hobby since I changed. And I was like, okay, well, you know, we might get something done, but it, it boosts my energy and it's a replacement. It's like an energetic replacement. And eventually that, that idea will fall off. And even if it doesn't fall off, you may end up in a relationship because there's nothing wrong there's nothing really wrong with it. It's just when it becomes a point of distraction, like you said, because sexual wellness and sexual health is important because I feel like a lot of men need to empty the tank or their their soldiers not going to march correctly. But that's just my opinion. I don't know if that's scientific fact or not, but they do say if you don't use it, you lose it. So it is a vital part of functioning. And sometimes it releases good dopamine. It gives you a good boost, but it's all about moderation and balance. So you don't have to completely cut it off because in my mind, and this is just in my opinions with esoterics, one of the most Watch magical. Talk about completely cutting things off here. Uh, yeah, I believe in that, first of all. But here's the thing. It's about... Like, okay, when you get to a point where you are balanced in that and you're using that energy, the alchemy itself, one of the highest forms of human magic is to be able to create another human. We literally take two cells, an egg and a cell, and create another human. So there's no real evil thing about it, just not getting distracted in it. So yeah, it's all about your balance. Yeah, I agree. I agree uh, with that, especially since things are on a a trajectory. So it might, you know, there might be times in in a person's life where it can come like in and out, but it's, you know, it'll have its time and then it will, it'll be what, what, whatever it is. Like, I just started recently um, seeing someone, so I'm sure, like, that will probably just get, re- you know, replaced in a way. Right. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what, uh, what is this, what, were you talking about earlier about Vedic astrology, and you said something about the heavenly, um, heavenly houses, is that what you said? Heavenly um, mansions. The, the, the lunar mansions, so they're based oh. on fixed stars um mm-hmm. so they're um they're associated with the, uh, these uh fixed stars in 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 the, in sidereal astrology so it's um let me i'm trying to think of how to explain this um spatially so like they're if like the ecliptic is is running somewhat along the 
uh, equator, you know, like around. Like right. It's a. Pro- um, it's pro- if you had a, the- if you projected a a line out from the equator of the Earth, you'd get the celestial yeah. equator. Yes. And but the, then, and then the, the but then it's like- would be where the sun blocks out that path when the Earth is in the way of a shadow. Right. Like you can imagine a shadow being cast on that same thing. So, like if we were enclosed in a big film, if there's a big giant screen outside the, mm-hmm. uh, the Earth and the sun. Whenever the Earth gets in the way of the Sun, what as a, as the Earth goes around the Sun, it's that shadow that's traced on that screen. And then, if you projected a light out from the Earth from its equator, then you get the celestial equator uh, hitting yes. the out, outward screen. Yeah. But I'm pre- I'm I'm pretty s- I, okay. Don't like you know. Don't quote me on this. I'm still trying to understand it. But I'm pretty sure sidereal uh, um, astrology follows. It's like a. It would be like a vertical loop around instead of horizontal, even though obviously in space, like there is not really an up or down or whatever, but right. It's going around the earth a different direction. So it does, it does cross the, uh, the ecliptic each time. If that makes sense. Correct. So the, the sidereal, so sidereal astrology, I don't know about that, but I do know that in physics that the sidereal period is a time that's required for um, anything in the solar system to make one revolution on its axis. So the Earth spinning mm-hmm. on its axis is its sidereal period. The, the sun has its own sidereal period. Every planet has their own sidereal period. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, that's a, that's a perfect way to explain it. So like our, our sidereal, so, per, sidereal period, we call it 24 hours. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then in um, the other part about the the lunar mansions, and I'm trying to find like the I I would like to find more information of how this relates to Chinese astrology at some point because oh I'm, I'm sorry originally originally the um, the Chinese zodiac was following the 27 to 28 days of the moon as well. But over time, it eventually got narrowed down to 12 animals instead of 27 or 28. But those 27, 28 exist in something that's kind of similar, which is the, they're called nakshatras in um, Sanskrit. So, so I'm sorry, I, I, I misspoke. I, I don't want to mm-hmm. um, throw it off here, but this ideal period of Earth is actually happens, happens to do with it's spinning on its axis, but um, but how, but also at the same time going around the sun. So mm-hmm. it's the, so the sidereal period of Earth is approximately 365 days. So yes, it's while it's spinning 24 hours, but it takes 365 of those to get around the sun, it, it, or it it completes 365 rotations going around the sun. So the sidereal period is is a combination of two things: one, the rotation of the planet or whatever celestial body on its axis, and two, plus how many times it does that going around the sun, so orbiting the sun. So that's, that's the sidereal periods, just to be more specific. I'm looking here in a book to see where the 27 lunar mansions come from, quick. Um, well, it could possibly have to do with the fact that the moon... Um, has a 27 to 28 day period to go from full moon to full moon. Yeah, that that is part of it. Um, 
Let's see. The, it, okay. The moon's ecliptic orbit around the Earth is divided into 27 sectors, each is, uh, each of which is a nakshatra. Each nakshatra each nakshatra's name is connected to an important star group called an asterism. That's cool. Yeah. So it pretty much aligns. It's just like the older version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They're, I mean, they... Um, ancient people from South Asia or in India still used the Zodiac as well. But that's right. It's the Lunar New Year. Chinese. Yes. Still using Lunar New Year. Mm-hmm. And that's funny because the way calendars used to be made, they were based on the springtime. That was the beginning of the year. But once we switched to this calendar, January is spring. It really makes the most sense when you're dealing with cardinal energy being the initiating things. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. why the first book of the Bible is called Genesis, the gene of Isis, which starts in spring, 322, March 22nd. It's, the, it's actually having to do with the older period. Again, more encoding in the Bible, if anybody wants to know more. <laughs> it's always an encoding. I feel I'm like familiar with the astrotheology stuff. Did we did we speak about that kapal before, or we like mentioned it about astrotheology? I don't know, because there, I, I don't hear too many people talking about astrotheology. But I'm deep, deeply steeped into astrotheology to the max. Yeah. That's cool. Well, I, I my I have my complaint, or not my complaints, but I guess my um, criticisms of it are that astrology is a lot older than the Bible or any of the Bible stories. So the fact that we can see some of those archetypes in there is just because like astrology is, you know, older than history. Well, there's not even just archetypes. There's actually, you can follow um, biblical figures through, um, through astrological signs through the precession of the equinoxes. Um, you can look at the years, like you can, even it makes sense when, you know, you have certain, uh, religious groups talking about how the earth is 6,000 years old or, or humanity started, or whatever that is, the whole 6,000 year thing. It starts with when Taurus was in the sky and the precession of the equinoxes during the time of Moses. So 2000, approximately 2,000 years before Moses' time, um, the Beltane Festival happened where they welcomed uh, Taurus as the main uh, horoscope in the sky. And it was at that time when Moses went to Mount Sinai, which is the Great Pyramid of Giza, comes back down and destroys the golden calf because he knew that it was now time for Aries. And then Jesus was born 2,000 years after that. So, so we have 2,000, 2,000, that's 4,000 years right there. Jesus was born 2,000 years after that as the Lamb of God. And then he went to Egypt when he was about 13, comes back and says, I will make you fishers of men. Why? Because it then became Pisces. And we're talking about precession. So he went from Taurus to Aries to Pisces. And now approximately two, another 2,000 years will go into um, Aquarius um, in 2160. So that's where that, that succession comes from. So you can actually trace it historically in astrology through that. You can look at the historical figures and the times when they were born and or when they had their most um, significant periods on earth that were written about actually corresponds very well with the precession of the of the uh, of the um the zodiac 
signs from Taurus, Aries, Aquarius. I mean, Taurus, Aries, Pisces, and then Aquarius. Because remember, destroys the golden bull, right? That's because it was the end of Taurus. Jesus is born as the Lamb of God. That's because he was born under Aries. But then he comes back and says, I will make you fishers of men because he, the signs changed to Pisces. And now we're going into Aquarius. It's approximately 2,160 years. And there's a good question in the comments, Andrew. Yo, seeing as we're in the age of Aquarius, what are we going to, what changes and who's going to benefit? We're not quite in the age of Aquarius. We're coming into the transitional period because it's approximately 2,160 years. So that will be our great grandchildren. And what it ushers in is a place of Breaking the old rules because Saturn is traditionally traditionally ruled by Aquarius. Aquarius is traditionally ruled by Saturn and Uranus. The past, which is Saturn, and Uranus, which is the innovation of the future. So we may be coming into a sense of consciousness that is totally and uniquely to this human age. And it's not that one specific sign will benefit from it, but all of humanity will be into a new age of awakeness. That's why a lot of people are awoke now or waking up. And it's a very interesting place to hit to because it's like humanitarian ideals are ruled by the 11th house. That's the home place of Aquarius. Hey, we've got a full zodiac sign in the room. We've got 12 in the room, everybody, 12 in the room. Who wants to yeah. choose your sign? Oh, and Derek uh, also asked a question, just a heads up. Um, I'm not the person to ask uh, Derek. He says, uh, I'm, an, I'm a Capricorn, so what's good or bad about that? So we can get to that in a minute um, about the Capricorns. Now, with... Aquarius coming in and we're ushering in this age. We're seeing a lot of unstable shifts because Pluto is coming around to his final return and we're transforming into America every 200 or so years. Is it 284 for Pluto? We're coming into Pluto's return for America and every Uranus return in this country, we have a war. So there's some form of transformative energy. It may not be a war, but a true awakening in human consciousness. And Derek, Capricorn, there is a joke that goes around about Capricorns. They're either great world leaders or serial killers. So it's like the balance between the two. Wow. The does Pluto return mean that Disney shares are going to rise? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. We may have a boom in technology one more good time. We may have an awakening of people understanding stories better as well. Hmm. Deborah, can't you just be both? You can because there are a lot of world leaders and politicians that are serial killers. Or they enact serial killing by proxy, by destroying whole nations, you know. So you might be able to do both. Ah, Andrea says, yes, you can, but good luck. <laughs> well, we're going to see. But 
Another thing I would like to say that there are 24 house placements, 24 house and planetary placements in the traditional astrology system. So you may be a Capricorn sun, but you may be a different rising and moon, and that affects personality as well. Mm, start running Democrats and Republicans. Y'all are wild. But see, this is what I like calling. Y'all are wild. Now, I am running a little bit over on this show. If there's not any more questions, I'm probably going to hop off. Anybody else has a question or two? Thanks, Davidic. I now know. Under- <coughs> oh, right. thanks. And I will be back tomorrow at 5. Y'all know what time it is. We'll probably be doing the history, uh, more history and astrology and more birth chart readings tomorrow. All right. Kapow. Uh, Thanks for the show. I came in so late. It's all right. We all have stuff to do throughout the day. Did, did you ever know what my moon sign was? No, because we didn't read your chart. Do you want to, or did you want to guess? I want to know. Okay. I can guess. I have a Taurus moon. Me too. I know. That's why I was like, I thought we sh- I should know. So, like, me telling you to go eat is relevant. Yes. And also... In the tradition of, uh, you know, just because it's Chinese New Year right now, um, that's a very Chinese thing, too. In, in China, people say, you know, like you typically would say, how are you doing? They say, Nichirlama, which means, have you eaten? So it's like, mm-hmm. a, it's one of the ways of asking if someone's okay. Oh, that's okay. cute. Yeah. That's sweet. I went to, a, like, a lion dragon uh, dance parade on Saturday. That was pretty cool. Oh, and just to end on some a bad note, did you know that somebody went in during a, a New Year, a Chinese New Year uh, um, celebration in in L.A. or something like that, and killed ten people? Of course, Hakeem would want to end. The How show are you supposed to bed? end on that? It's a new moon. We're supposed to start new, <laughs> right? So, oh, right. The, the new moon was two days ago. What are you talking about? We'll still feel some effects from it. Yeah. That's true. Ooh. All right. Good night. <laughs> I am going to end on a better note because Andrea just said the tropic of Macara, Capricorn, which is the theophysical, physical in theophysical literature. Theosophical. Is, theosophical. Okay. Yeah. Get me together. Is the seat of the guardians of this globe. See, great world leaders are serial killers. You you get you can pick one. Yes, please change the subject. And on that note, we're probably going to end here. It has been a wonderful show. I love you guys. Go eat. Go be happy. Go be merry. And this is your favorite wandering goose, Cicely Marie. Have a wonderful evening. And, of course, my co-host and moderator. Teehee. Bye-bye, guys. Bye.